You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thirteen is to go. Debater. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to Packer Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send us a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And guys, we are two days away from week one kickoff for the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. I have not been this excited about a football season in quite some time. This, as a matter of fact, this. This may be the most excited I've ever been for Packer football. Maybe it's because I'm actually doing a podcast this year. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe I've been a little more invested. I don't know. I think it has more to do with just interacting with you guys on Twitter and, and all of uh, Ryan's listeners that's a, you know fans of his, his network. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just a different buzz in the air. And I, I'll tell you this. I haven't been – I haven't felt this way since the Packers won the Super Bowl. And I'm listen, I'm not trying to call a shot here. I'm not trying to, you know, say Super Bowl or bust or any of that. I'm just telling you, something feels different this year. It feels real different. And I'm excited about it. So today on the show, what we're going to do, we're going to touch on the updated injury report. We're also going to hear from Coach Matt LaFleur. We're going to hear from Rashawn Gary. We're also going to tap into some drama. That's right. You heard it here. We got some drama going on in the NFC North. You know, Zadarius Smith the one that I refer to as the turd in the punch bowl. I will say this. When I started calling him the turd in the punch bowl, there were still a few people clinging. There were still a few people kind of hanging on, right? Packer fans go, oh, I think Z was great, and, you know, I wish we could have gotten him back. No hard feelings, blah, blah, blah. I think after today, or after yesterday, I should say, man, I don't think many people feel like that anymore. <laughs> the Tyler Dunn article at, at golongtd.com uh, Go released. <laughs> And uh, it's been highly, highly covered. And Z's just out there being a crybaby. Um, we'll get into it. I don't want to ruin it right here <laughs> in the beginning, but there's quite a bit to unpack. We're going to play a video um, so you guys can hear the audio aspect of a guy that I'm a big fan of. His name's Luke Beller, and he does Sideline Scoop on YouTube, and he's a big Packer guy. And he does a great job in just breaking it down in three minutes, and, and I'll kind of give you my take on that. And then, like I said, we'll hear from the coach. We'll hear from Rashawn Gary. We'll look at the uh, the updated depth chart, and we'll get you guys out of here. I just wanted to kind of this to be a Thursday afternoon primer for the game coming up. Obviously, we'll have another episode coming up Saturday where we're really going to focus on doing a deep dive scouting report on the Minnesota Vikings. That'll be a lot of fun there. But uh, before we get started on the show, let's do this. Let's go ahead and give a shout-out to our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Pristine Auction. Uh, Pristine's the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site 
with an A plus Better Business Bureau rating. Guys, this is legit stuff. This isn't like buying a uh, secondhand uh, Billy Jack Haskins autograph from Uncle Bill. All right, this is legit stuff. Comes with certificates. You're good to go. Everything has been authenticated. Um, all of our listeners have a chance to actually win a Jordy Nelson signed football championship trophy. Uh, you can check that out on our Twitter page for picks uh, of that uh, great piece of memorabilia. It's it's a really nice piece. I'll tell you, as soon as this is over, the sweepstakes is over, this contest, I'm, I'm going to go try to find one because it looks pretty nice. And I've been wanting to get a mini Lombardi uh, trophy up here in the uh, in the game room and it, it looks really really clean but all you got to do is head over to pristineauction.com click register on the top of the page or just follow the link in the podcast description uh, when you register you'll use our registration code that's attached to packernet podcast which is farve okay f-a-v-r-e you top that into the uh as a registration code That'll enter you into the contest. It's 100% free. But as a bonus, Pristine Auction will also kick in $10 off your first winning auction. Uh, it's important to mention, guys, that every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Uh, if you guys watch my live stream, I've talked about it. You know, you see the Paul Horning jersey, the Dave Robinson jersey, Carol Dale, Quay Walker, all autographed jerseys that are framed behind me on the on the broadcast. That all came from pristineauction.com. Everything came with certificates of authenticity, the whole nine yards. And that drawing will be held on Monday, September the 19th. So make sure, guys, go on there. Uh, get your spouses to enter too, man. I mean, it's free. Just register and uh, type in that that registration code of F A V R E Farv, and um, yeah, get yourself entered in that to win it. So let's get into the show here. First things first, let's look at the updated injury report. You know, yesterday, Wednesday's per- uh, particip- participation. Uh, notches came out, you know, as far as the Packers injury report in the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings is is pretty much they're completely healthy. They've got Jonathan Bullard, who's a defensive lineman. He's got a bicep injury. He was limited to practice. But other than that, they're all good to go. There's nothing else there. So we're going to get the best of the best when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings as far as who's going to be on the field, right? Now, on the Packers' side, David Bakhtiari was listed with the knee injury. He was limited participation, okay? That's that's good news in my opinion. Mason Crosby, right knee, full participation. Tipa Nalia, um, elbow, full participation. Jake Hansen, elbow. I'm sorry, Jake Hansen, shoulder, full participation. Elton Jenkins, um, he has a pectoral slash knee injury, uh, limited participation. And uh, Alan Lazard, ankle injury, did not practice. That could be huge, okay? Alan Lazard did not practice as of Wednesday. Um, Dallin Levitt, shoulder injury, full participation, so he's back. Yash Nyman, uh, knee injury, full participation. Darnell Savage, uh, hamstring, limited participation. It sounds like he's probably going to play, if I had to guess. And Big Bob Tunyon, knee injury, limited participation. Then you've got Christian Watson, knee injury, Full participation. So Christian Watson will play on Sunday. It sounds like everything is is pointing in that direction unless today, you know, news comes out that he tweaked it in practice. Let's hope that's not the case or before before game time. Um, I think that could be vital, especially with Alan Lazard showing a, you know, what seems like a pretty significant ankle injury. I mean, the fact that he didn't practice, right? Uh, I think that stuff could come into play big time. But Tom Silverstein actually tweeted out, Coach Matt LaFleur said that Alan Lazard won't practice today. This was yesterday. He said he got stepped on last week. So now we finally understand what happened to Alan Lazard. Evidently, he got stepped on in practice, and uh, that's why he is, has been out and been very, very limited. So 
the scare, the, uh, you know, us mentioning, I wonder if it's a hold in. This is really strange that all of a sudden he's injured. We didn't see any kind of injury from the preseason game. We didn't hear anything talked about from practice. Now it's coming out. This probably happened inside the Don Hudson Center, I would imagine, uh, where the media wasn't present. So that's why he uh, has been missing time since last week. Said uh, he did not. Didn't did not say what his status would be for Sunday. He was doing some running and rehab on Monday. So that's all we have right now on Alan Lazard. But like we said, Christian Watson, full participation. Obviously, Romeo Dobbs is healthy. We'll talk about the depth chart here in a minute. We may see a, a nice little healthy dose of, of those two rookie wide receivers, and that's really, really exciting. Uh, moving on to the next tweet from Tom Silverstein is on Elton Jenkins. It says, offensive tackle Elton Jenkins listed with a pectoral injury. Uh, to go along with the knee injury he's recovering from. Put in perspective what he's been going through the last couple of weeks, quote, I want to play, but I think it takes time. The team remains mum on his status for the Vikings game. So, you know, we talked last week, Ryan and I did, um, briefly on Packing It After Dark. I left him a message, and it was like, is this a contract issue? You know, the fact that all of a sudden – Elton Jenkins wasn't at practice. Then he shows up and he's got a shoulder brace on, right? And it's like, what What in the world happened? Like, Obviously, he's rehabbing the knee injury, and it's looking like he was making good time on that. Now, all of a sudden, he's got the shoulder brace. So it, it sounds to me like that was a false alarm as well. He simply hurt his shoulder, and that's why he missed practice that day. He was probably getting rehab inside, right? So uh, something else to kind of take into consideration there with Elton Jenkins as far as that shoulder being injured. Um, here's the thing, man. This early in the season – you want to kind of play it safe. I mean, everybody wants to get off to a fast start, but you break these seasons down into quarters, essentially. I know now we've got 17 games. You, you can't do that to a T, but it's really the goal is to go, you know, three and one uh, every four games, right? If you do that, then you're most likely going to be the number one seed, and that's kind of what the Packers' blueprint has been the last few years. Obviously, you want to, you want to win every single game when you take the field, but if you can kind of go three and one, in each four-game stretch and treat treat each four-game stretch like its own season, um, I think that's a, a great way of looking at the season. But with Elton, you don't want to risk that, right? You don't you don't want to force him to go out there and all of a sudden he tears the pectoral. Now he's out for you know eight, ten, you know twelve weeks, maybe the entire season. You want to kind of play it safe. It's important to get off to a fast start, but you don't want to sacrifice your key players in the very beginning of the season when it's obvious that there is an issue there. However, I hope he plays. I hope we see him out there. I think we're going to need him because the Vikings have a really solid pass rush, that's for sure. Um, moving on to the next tweet. This comes from Ryan Wood. It says, on Wednesday of week one, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Robert Tunyon each practice. Exactly what the Packers could hope for. So it sounds like you know they wouldn't have them practicing, right, and full or limited participation if there wasn't a chance for them going on Sunday, right? So it sounds like they're on track to start on Sunday, which is exciting news, I think. I think that's something that that's going to come into play big time, man, like I said, against this pass rush. You want your players healthy. Um, it's uh, it's very important to have those two guys on the field. And, and really, for me, it's about evaluation when it comes to, to David Bakhtiari. Not only do I want him playing because he's – one of, if not the best left tackles in the entire National Football League when he's healthy. But this is kind of an assessment, too. Like, is this is this knee injury going to continue to linger? You know, is it something that's going to carry into next year and the year after that? I think we'll know pretty soon. I think within the first two or three weeks of the season, we'll have a real good idea 
on just how serious that is as far as long-term is concerned, right? So I think that's something that's uh, very, very important to touch on. That's for sure. So let's do this. Let's waste no time. And uh, let me double check one thing here. I want to make sure I'm not skipping too far ahead. Yeah. Let's break down this Zadarius Smith uh, story here before we take a break. So Zadarius Smith, um, last year, the injury happened, right? The back injury. And you guys have heard me talk about that. The injury hits, and there was rumblings before the injury that Zadarius was upset that he wasn't picked as a team captain, right? And then you guys may or may not know, he had this big chain, this big, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, chain charm, I guess you could say. You know, huge, huge charm hanging from his neck. All these diamonds put, I mean, it looked like it was very, very expensive. And it was the captain's C, right? Like the C patch you get on your, your jersey. Well, he was upset that he wasn't voted as a team captain. Guys, what you got to understand, the the coaches did not pick the team captains. And I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here. You guys are smart, you know, Packer fans. There may be a couple out there that don't follow along very closely. What I mean by this is the players pick the captains. This isn't a coach thing. So all the team collectively voted on team captains. And there weren't enough votes, if any, for Zadarius Smith to be a team captain. Now, he was a team captain the year before. Then all of a sudden, he doesn't get voted in as team captain. That really says a lot. There's, you know, Mason Crosby has been a team captain for a very, very, very long time, right? Typically, once someone's voted in as a team captain, this is just from my experience, both playing sports myself, but following along with the NFL very, very closely. Once someone's voted in as a team captain, typically they're voted in every year. Now, you might have a new player come on the team, right? And, you know, like Adrian Amos kind of come on the team there uh, several years ago, and all of a sudden, bam, he was voted team captain last year, right? Someone really makes takes those strides. But that's picked by the team. How can you get mad about that? It, it takes a special kind of ego to look up and go, this is ridiculous. Every one of my teammates are wrong. I should be voted team captain. I want you to really let that sink in. I mean, there's no – I can't think of a more efficient way to alienate yourself from your teammates than to basically tell the majority, if not all, of your teammates that, hey, you guys are stupid. You should have voted me as a captain. Do you not know who I am? I mean, that's essentially what it sounds like. And, and you know, last year when I was talking about this with buddies and Packer fans, you know, on the Packernet Facebook group before I was a part of the Packernet Podcast Network – um, you know, it was just like, this just reeks of selfishness, right? And then he injures his back, and at times, Zadarius chose not to travel with the team, right? Which I think is a very selfish act in itself. If you're hurt, imagine you're a part of that team, right? And you were a captain the year before, and then all of a sudden, you get injured, and you say, you know, I'm not playing, so I'm not even going to travel with the team. It sounds to me, like his teammates got the vote right. It sounds like he's a me person. He's an I person. You know what I mean by I person? You have a conversation with them and, and do this sometime. When, when you're around someone who's selfish and they're very self-centered, listen to the way they talk. And I want you to count in your head how many times they say I 
or me. And I'm telling you, it, it, it will be alarming. I do this quite often. If I find myself, you know, doing business and I'm around so much, you could just tell they're very, very self-centered. The whole time, just listen. And it's like, well, you know, what I think we should do is because in the past with me, it has been something that I really believe is important. And this one time, a long time ago, I was actually in this position. I, 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 me, 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 right? That's what Zadarius Smith reeks of. Not not to mention he got arrested for marijuana. If you guys remember when that story came out, they kind of painted him as a hero, that he had teammates in the car and he just took the fall for them, right? It's like, okay, so he got arrested. I'm a Kentucky guy too. Keep this in mind. Zadarius Smith played for Kentucky Wildcats. I was a big Zadarius fan when he got drafted to the Baltimore Ravens, right? But if he was such a great pass rusher, how did the Baltimore Ravens let him walk, right? They let him walk. He comes to Green Bay. He gets arrested for marijuana. Whether you think marijuana is bad enough to warrant an arrest, that's really not the point of the conversation. He knew it was against team rules because obviously it was illegal in the state of Milwaukee or the state of Wisconsin, right? And I say Milwaukee because I think it happened down around the Milwaukee area. And then for him to openly come out, well, I just kind of took the fall for my teammates. I don't know, man. Seems like a pretty selfish guy to me. So now he's coming out and spilling the beans, right? He came out with uh, Tyler Dunn on uh, uh, golongtd.com, I think is the website, did an interview. And this is what Tyler Dunn and Bob McGinn do. They, when they hear that there's some dirt, there's some TMZ-style drama within the National Football League, they come swooping in and try to get the story. I'm not faulting them for that. I'm glad they actually do it because I love reading the inside information on some of these stories. I think it's uh, something that's fascinating, uh, especially when it comes to you know ego-driven athletes sometimes. It, it gets really out of hand. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a video here from Luke Beller. You can uh, find his YouTube page. I want to give him a shout-out here. It's called Sideline Scoop. If you search that, Sideline Scoop, S-I-D-E-L-I-N-E-S-C-O-O-P on YouTube. You'll find his channel. Again, his name is uh, his name is Luke Beller. Does an excellent job covering the Packers. He just kind of does his own freelance stuff, it seems. Seems like he's also got a sub stack. But I'm going to play this video here real quick and let you listen to him kind of tell the story, and then we'll pick up on the other side. So today, Zadarius Smith shed some light on how he really feels about the Packers and what he thinks really went down when it comes to him leaving Green Bay. Honestly, I didn't realize it was so personal for him. I thought he just ended up on the Vikings because it was probably the most money he could have gotten and maybe the best scenario for him. But it seems personal, and I want to show you what came out today and exactly what he had to say. So there was an article written by Tyler Dunn at golongtd.com, and he seemed to interview... Darius Smith, and I want to read this one excerpt right here from the article. So here's what he says. He says he got the surgery. He returned to Wisconsin. The mood, he claims, completely changed. How I was here in the building, he says, holding his hand high. Okay, I want to pause here real quick. So it starts with after he got the surgery, Zadarius claims that the mood changed and he started getting treated differently. Keep in mind, this is after he wasn't voted team captain and he went out and bought that captain charm. Okay. And remember, if I remember correctly, too, he put out a tweet that was kind of, you know, basically showing his frustration that he wasn't voted as a captain as well. But I just want to preface that because Z tries to paint a picture here 
that, you know, it, it, once I got injured and they were done with me, now they're treating me like crap. Now, he was already upset that he wasn't voted team captain. But here we go. Before tilting it down, I came down to here, to a nobody, to everybody in the building. I was like, blank, why am I being treated like this? I brought the culture. I helped change this blank. Why the blank? Am I the one being treated like that? Smith isn't shy in explaining what he means by this because it's part of the reason he's now in purple. Walking past me, not saying nothing. Z, how's your back doing? There was none of that. As you can see, that adds on to why I'm on the other side. So I can go back. I get to go back two times a year. So Zadarius Smith, after he suffered his back injury last season, goes and gets surgery. He comes back to Green Bay and he claims that people seem to not be training him well, weren't talking to him. I don't know who exactly he's talking about. Is this everyone? Is it certain people? Is it the coaches? I don't know what he's talking about when it comes to this scenario. And things seem to get pretty rocky from Zadarius Smith's standpoint. Today, Matt LaFleur did talk about Zadarius Smith in a press conference. And I want to read his quote right here. And here we have from Rob Domofsky on Twitter. Matt LaFleur on Zadarius Smith and how things went down last year with his back injury and his eventual release. I respect the crap out of Z as a player. He busted his butt, did a lot of great things. I think we may have a different perspective of how things transpire. So Matt LaFleur may not see things the same way that Zadarius Smith claims to see them as they went down in Green Bay after his back surgery. And we'll probably never know exactly what happened because it's hard to tell right here from what Zadarius Smith is saying, what really went down here between the Packers and Zadarius Smith. I mean, it's tough because Zadarius Smith came here to Green Bay a few years ago as a free agent, played two insanely productive years in Green Bay, suffers a back injury, isn't able to play pretty much the entire season, and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith come in, dominate, which sort of pushed Zadarius Smith out because they were playing so well and he had such a high cap hit, the Packers release him and save a lot of money. And so it seems that Darius Smith, part of the reason he chose the Vikings is because he wants the ability to come in and play Green Bay every year. So this week one matchup may be even a little more interesting considering he seems to have some bad blood with the Packers, which I didn't know was a, was a thing. I didn't realize that this was sort of what he thought about Green Bay. Um, but I wanted to come in here, share that news, share that information, which is a little interesting. Who knows what actually went down there in Green Bay. Um, probably lots of different people have different ideas on what was going down there. So this matchup on Sunday versus the Vikings is going to be exciting. I just broke down it. I just broke it down on another video, um, the preview video. So feel free to go check that one out. But that's what happened. Thank you so much for watching, as always, and I'll see you guys next time. Well, but like I said, his name's Luke underscore Beller on Twitter, and his YouTube channel that we just played that video from was Sideline Scoop. Go give him a like. Uh, and a subscription there. Uh, subscribe to his channel. He's a, a great, great guy. Does a great job of just kind of breaking things down and getting right to the point. But, man, what a mess. <laughs> Again, the timeline, and I love how Matt LaFleur took the high road there. I really do. And, and, and you know, the timeline just doesn't match up with the way Z tried to paint that picture. You know, this reminds me of Favre, guys. It really does. Um, I'm still a big Brett Favre fan. I am. Um, you know, I was a far fan up to the point that he went crybaby mode and left. And I always said, and I did, I took all the far stuff off the wall in the game room because like I faulted him more than I did the organization. It was, it was so obvious to me that they gave him every opportunity to come back. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, you can Google search last day at Lambeau. 
Last Day at Lambeau, and it's a documentary a fan put together, breaking down that that Brett Favre breakup. And and you're probably going, I don't want to relive that. You might want to watch it. It's really good. One of the things that's in it that really, really got my attention was a timeline that basically Ted Thompson brought the press into a private meeting and laid out a timeline of how they reached out to Brett, when they reached out to Brett, when they were going to fly a plane down to pick him up, announce him coming back. Essentially, Brett Favre changed his mind three times within a two-month span. And see, you didn't hear that story on the surface, right? Because Brett Favre was going on Greta Van Susteren and all these other places, and, and he was just kind of telling the side of the story that he wanted heard. And here you got Ted Thompson being the respectful man's man that he is, just literally keeping his mouth shut. I can only imagine how hard that would have been, too. But that's the kind of the same thing that's going on here with Zeke. But I want to read this. He, he read this in that video, and I want to read this part of the uh, article here to you. And remember what I said earlier. It says, quote, this is Z talking. I played one year of high school football. For me to be where I'm at today, that's how you know I love the game. I put all my put my all into it. That's why I felt the way I did with Green Bay. I gave that bleep with my all. I put my blood, sweat, I put my back on the effing line. I put everything. And that year three, I was treated bad. That's why I'm here now, so I can play them twice a year. Guys, you're talking about seven sentences, and it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14 times he says I or me. The dude's a selfish, you know what? It's that simple. And it's addition by subtraction, the fact that he is not on the Packers roster. Not to mention, I think we saved $15 million against the cap. But get him out of here. And I, I'm, I applaud Brian Gutekunst for pulling the trigger and cutting him loose. And it's obvious now what really happened last year. And there were, like I said, there were a few people clinging, going, I don't think it's that bad. I think I think he's going to – I just, you know, I think the Packers, you know, I wish we would have kept him. I think we could have restructured a deal. I don't think – now those few that, that I remember clinging are like, man, screw that guy. Like, he literally got arrested, okay, not, not necessarily in that close proximity to this everything happening, you know, as far as the timeline is concerned. Then the dude doesn't get voted captain pouts about it, has a chain made, you know, basically saying, well, I'll brand myself a captain. His back gets hurt. He doesn't travel with the team. And then he claims that they didn't stroke his ego when he got back. There's another video, too, you can find, and now I'm going to move on. Um, it, you could probably find it, but basically before a game one time, Z was out there and he said, he walks up to Aaron Rodgers and he said, man, I, they, you know, they told me I couldn't wear my socks like that. How are you getting away with that? And Aaron looked irritated, like that he would even ask him that. And he said, man, 16 years, bro. I think it was it was either 16 or 14 years, however long Aaron had been playing by then. And he went, oh, you're going to play that card, huh? You're going to play that card. And he was just like, that's the, the captain of the football. That is the leader of the Green Bay Packers. And you're going to come up and act like you should get some kind of special treatment the same as he does. He just, I don't know, the writing was on the wall for me. So, um, again, Matt LaFleur taking the high road, though. 
quote, I respect the crap out of Z as a player. He busted his butt, did a lot of great things. I think uh, I think we may have a different perspective on how things uh, transpired. Aaron Rodgers was asked about it, and Aaron actually said, yeah, I'm going to just basically reiterate what Matt said, and uh, I'm not going to add any fuel to the fire, which I thought was cool. That's Aaron taking the high road, just focus on ball. So that's my take on the Zadarius Smith stuff. I think it's finally going to get put to bed. They're going to play this weekend, and I'm excited about it. And one of two things are going to happen. Z's going to come, come in and ball out, right? And the Packers lose, not necessarily just because of Z. And if indeed they do, with you guys remember, I had the Vikings pick to win this game um, when we did our early season picks, right? I don't feel as confident about that pick now, but I, I'm not going to be surprised if the Vikings win that home game. Guys, we split games with them year in and year out. It seems like every year they win one, we win one. And typically, we lose the one up there in Minnesota. We win the one in Green Bay. It's not like it's going to be the end of the world if they if they come out and lose that game. But I do know this, that if they do lose that game, all that's going to do is a lot of fire under Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and the rest of this Packers team. And uh, either way, it's going to be win-win for me. However, if they go into Minneapolis and they absolutely boat race the Vikings and Zadarius Smith is a non-factor, Oh, man, what a great feeling that's going to be. So I'm excited to see how that unfolds on Sunday. But what we're going to do, we're going to take us a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to hear from uh, head coach Matt LaFleur and Rashawn Gary. We're going to look at uh, quickly look at the depth chart, and we'll get you guys out of here. But like I said, first, let's take us a quick commercial break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Coach Matt LaFleur was at the podium yesterday, and um, let's uh, let's kind of see what he had to say about scheme and, and how you want to tailor talent uh, to the scheme that you're a part of. And he also kind of talks about how, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell taking over as head coach for the, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings coming from the L.A. Rams, um, how that's got some similarities with their style of offense as well as Mike Patton and Mike Smith, our old outside linebacker coach, is up there with Ed Donatell on defense. So these teams have a lot in common. But let's see what Coach Coach LaFleur had to say. Do you see a lot of um, concepts that Kevin brought with him to Minnesota that you may have brought with you from Sean here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of carryover within a lot of the offenses in the National Football League these days. And um, I'm certain that Kevin learned a lot from Sean, as, as I did as well. And I know they got a ton of talent on that offense. So it's going to be a great challenge for our defense. Yeah, we so. talked a lot about the, the new nickel with the two true inside linebackers that you guys have. When you look at the Vikings offense and the perimeter weapons that they have, and obviously Cook in, in the backfield, is this kind of like an offense that, that this is designed for to, to, to better have against a balanced attack like they have? Are you saying our defense is designed for their offense, yeah, or yeah, with, with with the new look that you have? Um, no, not, not necessarily. I mean, like, I just I think our it all comes down to your philosophical beliefs and getting the best players that you possibly can, and then tailoring your system to the the player's skill set. So I do think that you know we've we've added some some talent to our defense and certainly lost some guys that were valuable as well. Uh, we're playing against a couple of them this weekend. So, um, but I think it's going to be a great challenge for our defense in regards to, I think if you look over the last couple of years, the Vikings offense, they've really upgraded uh, that offensive line is, is much improved from a few years back. I think Kirk Cousins is still playing at a really high level. Uh, They've got multiple backs. I mean, obviously, Cook, he is he is special. He's as explosive as anybody. You got Thielen and Jefferson. Um, so I think it's it's, it's going to be a big-time challenge for us. We're going to have to do a great job of, of winning the line of scrimmage and el- eliminating big plays down the field. So is that Don Tell, a 3-4 guy now? Has he been influenced with time with Fazio? Can you see, you, you anticipate that this summer? Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, uh, you just look at his background. He's been a D coordinator in this league. Obviously, he was here. Um, but he, he's been with Vic for a long time throughout his, the course of his career. So, you know, you never quite know what to expect week one. But I would say if they go base defense, that would probably be their base. I'm sure we'll get some some packages that have three outside backers on, on the field. We could potentially get... You know, a 6-1 package, I, I don't know. It just, that is the beauty, I think, with the system. It's very similar to our system. Um, there's a lot of carryover there. Uh, I'm sure they'll have add, added their own wrinkles, but um, it is, it definitely, 
from an offensive perspective, it, it, it gives you, uh, it keeps you a little bit off balance because you're not quite sure what to expect in terms of how are they going to match personnel and whatnot. Love it, man. I, I absolutely love the chess match that is NFL game days. I mean, you talk about two teams that are very similar. And let's talk about Mike Smith for a second, first of all. If you guys remember, Mike Smith was – we were very, very excited. I remember listening to Ryan's podcast several years ago when Mike Smith was hired, and he was excited about bringing Mike Smith in to work with the edge rushers, right? And we've seen immediate success with it, to the best of my memory. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that he came in, and that's when Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, everybody just kind of took off, and obviously a young Rashawn Gary working his way into the rotation. And then all of a sudden, Mike Smith leaves. And I remember thinking, that's kind of odd. And he just kind of left and went to Minnesota. Well, it's obvious now that Mike Pettin recruited him. Mike Pettin recruited him to Minnesota, right? So Mike Pettin was butthurt that LaFleur let him go and brung in Joe Barry, which we all know it proved to be the right move. You know, think just think about how far this defense has come. And, and I know they're not an elite defense yet. That may happen this year, and, I, and I'm hoping and praying it does. But just think about how far they've come. When Mike Pettin was there, you guys remember they signed Christian Kirksey. And there was a little bit of buzz like, oh, yeah, Christian Kirksey played really well in Cleveland under Mike Pettin, right, when, when Mike Pettin was in Cleveland. And, yeah, this is really good. And, and he fell flat on his face, one of the worst middle linebackers I've ever watched play the game. I mean, he – don't get me wrong. There's, there's no bad football players in the National Football League, but just watching him – in that system and then hearing how Blake Martinez kind of had a falling out with Mike Patton and he didn't feel like anything was tailored to, to make it successful for the middle linebacker right now, like Ryan pointed out in his podcast a couple of days ago, Kenny Clark thrived under that Mike Patton system. You know, there's something about defensive linemen uh, and more specifically defensive tackles, especially when Mike Patton was with the New York Jets as well. Um, I believe he was the defensive coordinator or one of the upper assistants under Rex Ryan when they had that great defense with the New York Jets. The defensive line always played lights out, right? So that's something that's a strength. But middle linebacker is a weakness. You got to think about those things. Now, Ed Donatell is the defensive coordinator, so it's not just Mike Pettin, you know, running the show up there. So you can't really chalk it off to that, which, in my opinion, Ed Donatell is very overrated. Like, the guy's been in the league for a very long time, but, I mean, their overall PFF defensive grade last year in Denver was like a 54, right? Minnesota's was like a 51 last year. So it's like, okay, I don't really understand the Ed Donatell uh, hiring there, but Mike Pettin being there as well is like, okay, are they going to be weak at middle linebacker? Because these things all come full circle, right? But Mike Smith, we all know, you got to give credit where credit's due. He did an excellent job with the edge rushers in Green Bay. And uh, that's something that I think they're going to thrive. I think Minnesota will have a great pass rush this year if Z stays healthy. And obviously, Daniil Hunter coming off the opposite edge, I think they're going to be very, very solid in the pass rush. And what I mean by solid is they can win one-on-ones. And you can't double-team both of those guys unless you're going more of a max protect role. And we know any team that's going max protect, I mean, you're you're completely abandoning your game plan and your, your scheme and philosophy. Uh, there's no offense that's designed to have max protect uh, a majority of the time, if any, right? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. And it's it's this huge chess match. You've got all of these storylines. That's what's so great about the NFL, all of these storylines all the way across the board. you got Zadarius Smith wanting revenge on the Packers. 
you got Aaron Rodgers, really the way that he answered that question was, I'm not going to add any fuel to the fire, but you know in the back of his mind he's going, I want to cut his heart out right there on the field, right? And I hope he does it. You kind of got that storyline. You got Mike Smith kind of abandoning Green Bay and going to Minnesota with Mike Patton. You got Mike Patton who holds a grudge against Matt LaFleur for firing him, right? And then you got Joe Barry as the second-year defensive coordinator. And lo and behold, he comes in. And, and once again, Ryan called it. When we hired Joe Barry, Ryan said he's a linebacker coach. He's a linebacker guy. He's going to come in and increase the linebacker play. Boom, we signed Devondre Campbell. This no-name retread comes in. Absolutely lights it up, finishes the second highest uh, graded middle linebacker, according to PFF, in the entire National Football League last year. So you got all these storylines kind of intertwined. You got Chandon Sullivan that, that jumped ship and went over there as well, right? So he's uh, playing the slot in Minnesota. That doesn't worry me much, I'll be honest with you, but it just kind of ties into that storyline. That, I think that's the second player that Matt LaFleur was referring to when he said got a couple great ones up there that, that used to play here, right? So it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it unfolds. But, you know, speaking of Mike Smith, one of the guys that he kind of coached uh, first, if I remember correctly, the first two years that Rashawn was in the league, right? And he definitely played a role in bringing Rashawn Gary along and, and uh, you know, increasing his talent as much as he has. But uh, let's see what Rashawn Gary had to say when he was asked about, um, you know, Mike Smith and, and really just the game in general coming up Sunday. Looks matter. Like you guys, obviously, they haven't seen your defense, and I see a smile. But you haven't seen their new offense. Yeah, that's why we play football. That's why they pay us. So we just gotta go out there, what they give us, and also understand we gotta rely on our training, what we've been doing for the past couple months. So just like I said, it's just exciting to get that, but get back out there and go get somebody else. You know, a good old, um, you know, see, I won't talk to him before the game, but, you know, after the game, you know, after we get the result that we all want, you know, slap him on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pause it. So he says, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a good old buddy, a good old friend. Um, you know, I probably won't talk to him before the game. I'll probably talk to him after the game, after we stomp on their AWS a little bit. You got to love Rashawn Gary, man. He's not backing down. Like, and he, he talked – in the interview, you know, earlier in this video, I didn't have time to play the whole clip, but he talked about Zadarius and he said, yeah, I looked at Zadarius like a big brother. You know, he taught me a lot. I learned a lot from him and we still communicate from time to time. So I don't think it's all ill will with Zadarius. It just seems like a certain view. And that really is what kind of plays a role in my view of, of Zadarius is because it's kind of like, uh, because everybody didn't bow down and stroke your ego and just, treat you like a god because you got injured. Now all of a sudden you're upset. But it's obvious that he still talks to Preston from time to time. But I do remember this. Earlier in the year, too, this is something else Zedarius did when he signed with Minnesota. He said, meet at the quarterback, and he showed a, a picture of the Vikings uh, sacking Aaron Rodgers, right? And then Preston Smith immediately – or no, Rashawn Gary immediately came back and said, I agree, and showed him and Preston Smith sacking Kirk Cousins. I believe it. I believe it was both of them in the picture. So you gotta love you gotta love Rashawn Gary and and just uh, how he represents and, and carries the G and you gotta love it. Put cheese on everything, right? But let's see what else he had to say here. <laughs> nice. What's your confidence level about this defense compared to maybe your first few years in the league? Man, I just everybody on this defense this year is close, man. Like, 
and we all got one goal, and everybody in the outside world knows about one goal, and that's what we all pushing for. Love it, because every day we step in this building, it's something that you gotta uphold. You know, especially when you starting out with the first string. You know, you look, you see Preston, you see Kenny, you see DJ Reed, you see DC, you see Jaws. She's savage. It's, it's guys that you know you can't stand it, man, and just the love that we have for each other. Love it. That's that's what great teams do, guys. And he he sat there and rattled off all of his teammates' names, right? And said, you know, you don't want to let those guys down. He said, Jai. He said, Savage. He said, Press. And he said, uh, you know, uh, Kenny. On and on and on and on, right? And that that is that's what great great teams hold each other accountable, right? And, you know, I actually – I went to a Duke – it's funny, I hate I hate basketball, and I think I've mentioned this on a pod before, but I got invited several times to a private practice with Duke University and uh, got to see Coach K run a private practice. You know, they're very – in the NCAA, especially in basketball, probably in football as well, they're very, very, very limited on the amount of practice time they have throughout the week. So everything has got to be really, really fine-tuned. And we, when we stepped in there, I think there was 12 of us, nobody else in the, in the entire Cameron indoor arena, right. Which is like this very, you know, highly respected traditional basketball, you know, arena. And again, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I'm kind of speaking out of turn here because I've never been a basketball fan, but I got the opportunity to study one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball uh, at the college ranks. I thought, yeah, why not jump on it? So there's like 12 of us in there. In the entire arena, there's like 12 of us business owners. And we're sitting in this empty arena. And all you have are the ball boys, the assistant coaches, the players, and there's Coach K. And just watching him work. Because, guys, success is universal. I mean, you can take success principles and apply them to business the same as you can football, the same as you can basketball, anything in life. Success principles are universal. And – one of the things that he said, first of all, looking at the practice regimen, I mean, they had it broken down to the minute. There wasn't one wasted minute in this entire practice because they knew it had to be that efficient. It kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about in the last pod two days ago about Matt LaFleur and being very, very intentional with every second they have at practice, right? But one of the things that Coach K said is coaches make rules, but players set standards. And he went on to talk about that. He said, every year what we do is we have we don't make rules for our team. We have our players and our you know, the, the, the team picks their captains. Sound familiar, right? Imagine, imagine Coach K telling his team, hey, pick your captains, and then they pick the captains and one of the guy comes back and, and he's upset that he didn't get picked as a captain. They'd run him out of Cameron so quick it ain't even funny. Like, it's just amazing. But anyway – they pick their captains, and then their captains get with the team, and they set a list of standards, and it's plastered all over the locker room, all over the facility, all over the weight room, everywhere. These are the standards that your team captains has set for your teammates. So the team elects the captains, and then the captains set the rules, which they call standards. You understand it's, it's going to be a lot easier for players to follow those rather than this authoritarian figure saying, you're going to do what I do, I'm in, uh, do what I say, I'm in charge, here are the rules, you're going to abide by them. That's not how it works nowadays, right? Instead, you've got these players that pick these standards. 
and you you look over and you see your teammates who are they're running those gassers with you, right? They're running those Oklahoma drills with you, bull in the ring, whatever you want to call it, right? For us, it was pickups. Oh my God, in baseball, did this thing called pickups. And it's going to sound so stupid to anyone who's done up downs and this and that. You're probably going to think, oh, that sounds easy. Oh my God. There's baseball players right now going, I know what a pickup is and it sucks. <laughs> but basically, it's it's a two-man exercise. One guy gets down on one knee and he's got two baseballs in his hands. The other one lines up about five yards away and he's hunkered down like in a defensive position. And the player, you're, you know, the one with the balls, he rolls the baseball far out to the wide right and you've got to shuffle. You can't cross your feet. You've got to shuffle to the right, pick it up. And as soon as you pick the ball up, the other one is rolling wide left. You've got to shuffle over and get in. We would do 50 to 100 of those at a time. You're talking about destroying your back, destroying your legs, your quads, everything, right? But I say it because you, when you're when you're doing that conditioning and those drills and you're all out there doing them together, right, you don't want to let your teammates down. You're looking, you're looking beside you. You're looking all around. You're, you're like, these are my brothers. These are the guys that are putting in the work alongside me. I do not want to let them down. That's exactly what Rashawn Gary is talking about right there. He named off pretty much the entire starting defense and said, I, we're account, we're holding each other accountable. It's, it's hard for me not to give maximum effort when I look over and see them given everything they got. Now you're starting to understand why somebody like Z sticks out in the crowd, while somebody like Z gets butt hurt that he's not voted captain by somebody like Z wants to tuck tail and run. And not only that, accept an offer with Baltimore, then completely crawfish on them and take a deal with Minnesota because it's obvious he already agreed to terms with Baltimore. And then Mike Smith and Mike Petton came around the backside, snuck in the back door, offered him something, which is actually tampering to believe it or not, and then lured him away so he can go over there and try to be a menace to the Green Bay Packers. It's all middle school. It's all chicken. You know what? And I'm excited to watch it blow up in their face on Sunday. That's just me personally. But on the Packers side of things, you hear Rashawn Gary talk about how they're playing for each other. They don't want to let each other down. You got these guys that blood, sweat, and tears have been poured out together, right? And then all of a sudden, the motivation in Minneapolis is, well, I want to get back at them. They didn't respect me. They didn't treat me the way I needed to be treated after I hurt my back. Get over yourself, dude. Again, I, I would love to pull that article up one more time. 14 times in seven sentences, he says, I or me. Dude's a crybaby. He's a loser. That's what he is. He's a loser. And I'm excited to see him go up and try to blast through that A-gap and Josh Myers put that big hog head right on, right on his forehead and just stonewall him. I'm excited about Sunday. So last thing we're going to cover. As we're winding down here, the depth chart. Uh, the depth chart released yesterday, and uh, these things can be kind of smoke screens, but I'm going to read it off anyway because it sounds really, really nice to me. Okay, First of all, let's start with the offensive line. Left tackle, David Bakhtiari. Left guard, John Runyon. Center, Josh Myers. Right guard, Royce Newman. Right tackle, Elton Jenkins. Go back to the Tom Silverstein tweet, right? All of those guys participated today or yesterday, rather. Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari participated in practice. It looks like they're going to be a go, so let's hope that holds up. Now, another one, Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon is listed as number two 
um, at tight end on this depth chart behind Mercedes Lewis. But, of course, we know Mercedes is going to be in on those running plays for the most part. Bob Tunyon is going to be more of that pass-catching tight end. He was full participation or uh, at least limited participation. He's expected to play as well, so we're looking completely healthy. At wide receiver, you've got Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins um, as your two uh, starting receivers. And, of course, at in the slot, you're going to have Randall Cobb. All right, so your X is Lazard, your Z is Watkins, and your slot is Randall Cobb. All right, that's your starting receivers. Now, remember what we said about Alan Lazard. He did not participate in practice yesterday. If for some reason that ankle isn't ready to go where he got stepped on, right behind him on the depth chart, if this is accurate, they have Romeo Dobbs. Right behind Sammy Watkins, they have Christian Watson. So maybe they've been playing Christian Watson more at the Z, and it kind of feels that way, although I did see him at X from time to time with some of the practice footage I saw. So those two are interchangeable. If Alan Lazard doesn't go, they're the two next, the two men that, that are the next man up, right? Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. So, you know, I want Alan Lazard to play, but if he doesn't, you talk about being excited watching that. If we do the live stream, me and Ryan sitting here watching those two rookies, go to battle is just going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Obviously, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, running back Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon is is your uh, second running back on the depth chart. Let's move on to defense. Defensive end, Dean Lowry, nose tackle Kenny Clark, defensive end Jaron Reed. So it's Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, and Darren or Jaron Reed in that 34 front, okay? Outside linebacker Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Inside linebacker Devondre Campbell and our boy Quay Walker. I cannot wait wait to see them turn turn him loose on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Um, at corner, you've got Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes. Safety, you've got Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Again, Darnell Savage. It's sounding like he's going to play, which is great news. Let's hope that holds up. Kicking. Mason Crosby, punting, Pat O'Donnell. Obviously, Pat O'Donnell's obviously the holder. Mason Crosby's 100% healthy. I think you're going to see a big, big increase on field goals and extra points this year, guys, strictly because of Pat O'Donnell. I think that the punting game is going to be better. Um, you know, I'm talking about strictly, uh, you know, strictly from the the snap and the uh, and the kick itself. We'll have to wait and see on punt coverage, see if that really improves or not. Um, but uh, I think that's going to play a huge, huge role in special teams, just having Pat O'Donnell as holder and punter this year. Um, punt return, Amari Rogers. Kick return, Amari Rogers. So he's going to be our returner for both punts and kicks, okay? Now, backup punt returner, they've got Randall Cobb listed and then Romeo Dobbs. That was kind of surprising to me. Backup kick returner, Keyshawn Nixon, okay? So – that's how that's going to line up. Obviously, long snapper Jack Coco, um, and they said he's done a phenomenal job throughout camp. That seems to be uh, seems to have been fixed as well. So that's kind of how the depth chart sits right now. Again, it's Thursday. You'll probably have more information dropping at any moment now. The goal is to have this come out at uh, um, right around noon um, today. So you're you probably probably saw it drop around noon. There may be some more information as far as. Thursday participation should be dropping soon if it isn't already out. So kind of keep an eye out for that. But that's kind of how things looked on Wednesday. So with that being said, we're going to wrap it up right there. Um, when we come back, uh, our next episode is going to be on Saturday. We're going to do an in-depth scouting report on the Minnesota Vikings, kind of talk about not, not so much matchups as we are what can we expect from the Vikings personnel, 
formation, uh, stuff of that nature, kind of uh, maybe a few things to look for when you sit down to watch the ball game on Sunday. That's going to be our goal there. And then, of course, Sunday immediately following the game, Jacob and I will be going live with the uh, Packers Total Access postgame show, giving you um, you know, live audio from press conferences from Matt LaFleur and players if they're available as well. We'll give you a quick recap of the game and uh, just a good way to kind of wind down your Sunday evening as you get ready for the Sunday night football uh, game of the week. But that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hopefully this information was, uh, was interesting to you and uh, kind of get you a, a little bit better prepped as far as from the injury front. Um, hopefully we shed some light on the Zadarius Smith uh, drama. Again, I wanted to just point out, I don't want it to get swept under the rug just how big of a douche that dude was last year. I think it's very important that the facts are uh, coming out. I wanted to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers' contract and some comments that were made with Andrew Brandt uh, and uh, a conversation between him and Mark Rodgers, which is actually Russell Wilson's agent who just signed that big mega deal for him. And they said a few things. Um, I shouldn't even mention it because obviously we don't have time to get into it right now. But essentially what they said is the same thing I've been saying. They said, nobody knows what this contract is other than Aaron Rodgers and David Dunn, his agent. Okay. And they both said, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a one-year deal with two dummy years. Basically meaning if Aaron walks away after this year, no matter how much guaranteed money's out there, the rest of the contract will be wiped clean if there's certain options within the contract structure. Nobody has seen the contract structure. All these people who are claiming that the Packers are going to be in cap hill as soon as Aaron Rodgers retires, they don't know what they're talking about. I, I think I'm going to listen to two sports agents before I'm going to listen to some quote-unquote Packers salary cap guru on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Um and it lines up perfectly with what Aaron said when he was asked about the contract. It's a one plus a two with the option of a three. Okay. He didn't say this is a five-year deal, right? It's a one plus a two with the option of a three, which basically says they probably made it worth his while to play two years. Then after that, it's going to be kind of an option for both parties. Okay. And that's kind of what you're seeing Aaron talk about from time to time. It sounds like he's probably got one more year left in him. And then it's highly unlikely he doesn't come back. If he does, he'll probably restructure. Why did he sign the contract then? Because he wanted to reset the market at $50 million per with a three-year, $150 million guaranteed structure. If there's certain options within the contract language, none of that even matters. I'm not saying it's 100% fact, but I do know this. The people who are claiming they understand what the contract is without even seeing it, it's 100% fact they're full of crap. So that being said, hope you guys have a great day. We will see you on Saturday. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Third down, to go. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to